All right, before I um, jump into my message today, I wanna, I wanna just issue a thought and a challenge for you. Um, as we're heading into the summer, which is hard for me to believe that we're doing that already, but next weekend is Memorial Day, and then we're off and running into the summer months. And uh, I, my question to you is, what are you going to do in your own journey of faith to seize the moment that the summer offers to lean into God a little more closely? Um, sometimes we don't really think of that, and we just kind of treat the summer like the rest of the year. But you have, a, you have this window of opportunity. It's going to provide some of us more time. Our schedule is going to be different. But my question is, as, as you look ahead to the summer, what are you going to do that's going to just help you draw closer to God? And uh, from time to time, we try to offer some helps for you to do that and some challenges. And I just want to give you uh, just a couple. Um, so there's a couple of things that are out in the Welcome Center, out by the Welcome Center that we'd like to invite you to. One is the, a challenge to, to read God's Word. And I know some of you already read the Bible daily. Uh, maybe some of you don't. Um, but one of the great things about the summer is you can kind of use the summer as a window and say, I wonder what I might do this summer to just maybe get a little bit more into God's Word. And both of these are um, kind of neat, neat things for you. One is a, a very simple, it's reading the gospel through, uh, the gospels through in 90 days. This takes you through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, you could uh, read, this looks like just about a chapter a day in doing that. And if you did that through 90 days, it would take you through the New Testament or through the Gospels. And can you think of any better way to spend the summer than spending the summer with Jesus? I can't, I can't imagine that. So yeah, that's out there and you can, you can use that. Or if you would like, uh, if you have a little bit more time and you think, you know, I'd literally like to go a little further than that. There's a summer New Testament Bible reading plan where this would have you read about maybe two to four chapters chapters a day. And if you did that every day, again, for 90 days through the summer, um, if you followed this plan, you would read the New Testament through. And both of these are just great opportunities for you as adults and young people to, uh, to again, just to lean into God's Word, maybe in a little different way than you have before. For those of you who have kids, uh, we've got a couple of uh, little cool little Bible reading plans for them. One is a, uh, will take them through the entire Bible. It's not reading the entire Bible, but it's a 90-day reading plan where they do a chapter every day, and it just kind of hits the major stories of the Bible, the, the creation and Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, Noah, the flood, you know, it just kind of walks through uh, different stories like that. And uh, your kid, if, they can, if they're of reading age, this would be a great challenge for you. And, uh, and just to say, hey, you know, could you, could you do this one? And maybe you might want to offer some incentive to them if they complete the New Testament through, uh, through, through the summer. For those of you who have smaller children, preschoolers, that you might want to read to them, there's a, a children's Bible reading plan that takes them through the book of John. And it's kind of cool. They got these little uh, little squares, kind of like stepping stones. And uh, you read, you could read to them. It's like twenty-five to thirty verses a day, where you could sit down, read with your children, and then they could collar that square in, and they could see their progress as the summer goes on. I think that's forty-two days through that for the for the preschoolers. But anyway, those are out there. You might want to come up with your own uh, Bible reading plan. We've got some others that are out there, but those are some we just want to push for you as a summer opportunity. But don't miss this moment, again, to lean into God and his word. The other challenge I want to offer to you is an, an opportunity for prayer. Um, I know for, for most of us, uh, who even those of us who try to get into God's word, probably don't spend as much time in prayer 
uh, as we know we probably ought to, and really haven't really been challenged. I want to I want to give you a couple of different challenges just to think about it. Something that you might do that might stretch you a little bit, but I think it could also be an incredible experience for you. There's an insert in your in your worship folder. Just want to want you to pull that out. Um, one is I want to invite you to participate at some point in our war room. Uh, a few months back, we had an individual in our church. I just loved it. He emailed me and said, I wonder what would happen if we had a group of people who were praying for the service, for the people in the sanctuary, for the people watching online as that service actually happened. And so down in our fellowship hall wing in the young adult room, we live stream the service there. And every week in both services, we have a group of people who gather and they, I give them the sermon notes for Sunday morning with the blanks already filled in. So you get a cheat sheet. You already have all the answers filled in. And they, uh, they pray for me. I go down there. They pray for me before the service. And then while the service is unfolding, even right now, they are praying for you. They're praying for the people watching online. And as I preach, they're praying point by point through the message. And some of them pray out loud. Some of them pray quiet, silently. Uh, you, don't, you, know, you can do it either way. You don't have to make a commitment to do this every week. But I just want to challenge some of you to think about, maybe you come to the second service and you don't really come on Sunday morning early, Uh, I would challenge some of you, what if you you came at nine and and just spent a a Sunday or two or three in the war room this summer as just a way to say, God, I know I need to lean in you more with prayer. Let this experience kind of spur me on. I I just wonder what that might do for you. Uh, On the backside of that is another thing that I I think is so cool. Uh, Dr. Fizard from Mid-American Christian University, a former president, uh, was the first one to kind of alert me to this. And then I had another guy kind of push me on it, and I decided to jump into it. It's an organization called Bless Every Home. And uh, Bless Every Home, you you can go to their website, blesseveryhome.com, and it's an opportunity to pray for your neighborhood. Now, how many of you don't know the names of most of your neighbors around you? Yeah, most of us don't. We pull in our garage, we close our garage door, we don't. Wanda and I know a few of our neighbors, but this is so cool because when you sign up to this, it's free, but when you sign up for this, they give you the names and addresses of 40 neighbors that live right around you. And you get to pray for them by name. And they will email you those names, uh, five names at a time. They'll email them to you every day if you want it that way, three times a week or once a week or twice a week, whatever works for you. But, but what would happen, again, this summer, uh, some of us like to get out and walk our dogs, walk our kids, or just walk. What if we got out in the morning and we were actually able to pray for our neighbors by name as we walk down the streets? And I know you don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm going to assume God does. Amen. And what would happen if we just began to develop a heart for our neighbors? And on that website, I love it. Uh, it's an opportunity. Again, you sign up and they, they, they send it, email it to you. But there's also a place if you have an opportunity to, uh, to visit with one of your neighbors and care for them. There's a little place where you can kind of mark that, uh, that, you, that you got a chance to care. Or if you got a chance to invite them to church or to pray with them and share with them, there's a place you got to get. It's just really cool. And there's also, when you sign up, there's also a place where you can link to Chartel Church of God, uh, I've signed up and I've also registered our church on Bless Every Home. And we can be a congregation that's all doing this together. And again, it, you, you don't, it's not something you have to do every day, 
But I just wonder what would happen if some of us just said, you know, this summer, wouldn't that be cool if I just started praying for my neighbors? And this is an easy way to do it. It gives you the reminder, and you can pray for them by name. And uh, I absolutely love that and hope that you'll take advantage of, of, of one of those. Uh, also out in, the, out in the lobby, it was really cool, our national office of the Church of God um, saw my post on Facebook about our war room and uh, sent me an email and asked for more information I did. They did a really nice article um, that we printed. It's out there in, in the lobby. If you'd like to hear about uh, our war room, what goes on out there, uh, you can pick those up out at the Welcome Center and read that. But I hope that you'll take advantage. I double dog dare you to take a step forward this summer in your walk with God. Amen. Summer's here. Let's, let's see what we can do to grow closer to God. All right, we, in this, we've been in a relationship series called The Seven Habits of Great Relationships. And um, we've talked about the, this habit of honesty, how important that is. We talked about the habit of listening and what it means to be really more attentive to one another. We had a, a really hard message on confrontation and uh, this idea of really talking about things maybe that we don't always want to talk about. And uh, last Sunday may have been the most uncomfortable message when I talked about the, the habit of self-examination, where we stand before God and we say, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked thing in me. And this is the, the power that's released in our relationships when we realize that we are the only ones that we can change. Today, I, I wanna talk about uh, a habit that, and, and talk about it in a way that I, I think that maybe most of us haven't really thought about it, and it kind of connects to just what I was talking about just a moment ago with the war room and bless every home. I, I want to talk about the habit of prayer. Now, just, just a thought, and I just want you to kind of think to yourself for a second. Do you pray for your relationships? Let me ask this question. Do you believe in prayer? That's not a rhetorical question. You can answer that. <laughs> do you believe in prayer? Okay, most of us do anyway. And, and if you believe in prayer, the thought is, I wonder why we don't bring prayer into our relationships. Um, Howard Hendricks, uh, great author, scholar, uh, he, he, in his, one of his books, he was talking about um, he, he, when he was younger and he was a you know, passionate preacher and he said he, he got this really great idea for a series on prayer. And he said, I, I laid it out and he said, it was creative. He said, I knew it was gonna be exciting. He said, I knew this was gonna be one of my best works. And he said, man, the closer it got to time to preach that, start that series, he goes, the more excited I got. And he goes, and it wasn't until I was walking up to the pulpit to start to preach that very first sermon and that very, that, in that series on prayer that I realized that I had done all kinds of prep work. He said, but what I didn't do, he goes, I had never prayed about this series. And I had never prayed about this service. He goes, I was about to stand before my people and tell them how they ought to be praying. And he goes, and I ever, never even prayed about what, I was going to be talking to them about. And it was the realization that I think a lot of us probably, if we step back and got honest, would have. And that is, we say we believe in prayer, and I think most of us do, but do we really pray? And how might we invite God 
to work in our relationships if we really did pray for one another. Now, I want you to look at a passage of Scripture with me. It's on your outline if you want to pull that out and track along and take notes. Um, I want you to look at a passage of Scripture from James chapter 5 and verse 16. You can read it out loud with me. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I want you to catch this. James says, confess your sins to one another. Now, it goes back to this idea what I was talking about earlier when I talked about confrontation. And I'm going to talk about it again in a couple of weeks in a little different way when I talk about the habit of repentance and just being able to, some of us don't know how to actually say I'm sorry to, to other people. And we're going to talk about what, what does it really look like to, to make amends with people and heal some of the wounds between us. But he says, you know, we're to confess our sins. But then he says, and pray for each other. The, right, the prayers of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Now, come on, it's just us. How many of you, when you think about your relationship, say, Pastor Steve, I could use some of God's power and I could use some wonderful results in my relationships. How many of you are there? Yeah, yeah, it's like, man, we all, we all need that. So what might that look like? Well, let's walk through this together. What, why do we need to pray? Well, prayer enlightens us with the wisdom of God. Prayer enlightens us with the wisdom of God. How many of you have finally come to the understanding that God is smarter than you? Yeah. You know, and, and, and boy, is there any place that we could use wisdom more than in our relationships? I can't tell you how many times uh, in dealing with people, you know, even people who are close to me, and I've had come to a place where, man, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm not sure what steps I should take. And this is, this is where God comes in. James says earlier in his, in, in his book, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should do what? Ask God. Well, what a novel idea. <laughs> Ask God. He's willing to give it to us. And, and, and that's what prayer does. It, it, it enlightens us with God's wisdom. Secondly, prayer arms us with the protection of God. Prayer arms us with the protection of God. Now, I want you to look me in the eye, and I want you to hear my heart. I talked about this back in the series when I talked about in that series called Know Your Enemy. And you need to know this. The devil is at work in your relationships. His goal, Jesus said, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And here's what he does. He messes with your mind. He starts helping you think of, of bad thoughts about another person. He takes things that they've done and starts warping their intentions and, and trying to give you all these ideas. And he's doing everything that he can to drive a wedge between us in our homes, in our church, and in our, in, in our relationships with other people. We need to come before God regularly about our relationship because we need God to do a, a, a warfare on a level that we can't get to. Amen? Does that make sense to you? We need that protection. Thirdly, prayer, prayer helps us align with the will of God. It helps us align with the will of God. I'm going to circle back to this in a little bit. <laughs> but for most of us, probably when I said, do you pray for other people? I, I guarantee you there were some of you sitting there, oh yeah, I pray for other people. But often our prayers is, Lord, 
would you make them do this? And would you tell them to do that? And would you help that person to shut up? You know, you know that's, kind of, that's kind of how we approach prayer for other people. Is, you know, we, we, we go before God and we, we get on our knees before the almighty creator and we start telling him how to run his universe. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and yet prayer is more about getting to a place where we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, which was your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Prayer releases the power of God. Prayer releases the power of God. Okay, come on, gang. It's just us. Sundays are always a great day for group therapy. How many control freaks do we have here this morning? Some of you are control freaks. You're not going. How many of you are sitting next to a control freak this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot more hands. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> One of the things about being a control freak is we we get caught in this quagmire of trying to fix people. Uh, we, we want people to change, and, and somehow we feel like it's our job to make them change. And so we, we start trying to manipulate the process, and we start doing all of this stuff. And the reality is, we've talked about this, you can't fix anybody. Anybody. And, and prayer is about understanding that God can touch the people around you in ways that you never can. God can work in ways around you that you never can. For some of us particularly that may be in relationship with people who are, who are bound by addictions or they're dealing with stuff, and man, we're not sure what to do. This is where the power, I believe that God has the power to break chains on our lives. And, and the only way we get to that is invoking God's power through a prayer. Did you hear what James says? The prayers of a righteous person has great power and gives wonderful results. I love, <laughs> I love, there's an old story years ago. You may have heard this, but there was an old story from years ago about these two churches in this small town that had this alcohol brewery company that moved to town and they had this big distillery that they were building and the churches were all upset about it. They didn't want this distillery and upsetting their, their little town and they tried to protest it happening, but it happened anyway. And, and so these two churches decided to get together and have a prayer meeting. And so they gathered together and they prayed. They prayed fervently that, that God, would, God would just stop this distillery, that he would shut them down and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, wouldn't you know it, that night after their prayer meeting, about midnight that night, a storm rolled in and lightning struck this distillery and burned it to the ground. Now, the guy who owned the distillery was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He was mad about the people praying against his distillery to begin with, and he was mad about their protesting, and he was all upset. And so when he went to the insurance company to say, you know, I got to collect insurance, lightning struck us, the insurance company said, we're sorry, that's an act of God. You know, we, we can't cover acts of God. Well, the, the guy was so mad, he, he got so mad, he filed a lawsuit against the churches and said, they did this. And so he brought the churches to court and he before the judge and the churches said, we didn't do anything. And the guy said, yeah, you prayed against us and you didn't. He goes, well, you can't prove that that's, that's us. And the judge says, I've never had a case quite like this. He said, I've got two churches who don't believe in the power of prayer and I've got an atheist who does. You know, it's just kind of. 
<laughs> Prayer opens us to the Spirit of God. Prayer opens us to the Spirit of God. Yeah, one of the one of the beautiful things you see in the book of Acts is how over and over again the disciples ran into different kinds of opposition and things and challenges that they had. And, and what, hap- what they kept doing is the Bible said they, they just kept coming back together to pray. And several times in Acts it says, and after they gathered together to pray, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Now, a part of my um, routine uh, of prayer is asking God each day, to let the fire of his Holy Spirit come upon me, to consume anything in me that's not of him. Because believe it or not, sometimes there are things that are not of him in me. And also to fill me with who he is. How does the Holy Spirit of God begin to take over our lives and our relationships? Look at me. It only happens through prayer as we release ourselves to his spirit. Amen? Now, let me give you just a couple of thoughts about as you think about praying and praying for your relationships, let me give you a few challenges and a few thoughts on how to put that into practice. Here's the first one. Experience in your relationships, I want to challenge you to experience the incredible power of praying with one another of praying with one another. You see, when we think about praying for people, we often think about it's me by myself praying for you wherever you are, and that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. But do you understand how much power is released when we actually pray with someone else? Um, You know, I can pray for my buddy Ron here that I love. You know, I can pray for Ron from a distance and have many times. And and there's something very beautiful about that. But but when I I stand with Ron and I pray with Ron, there's another dynamic that begins to take place. There's a, a bonding that begins to happen as we connect spirit to spirit. There's a, a healing that happens if there's any distance between me and Ron. Or if there's anything going on there, there's a, a healing that, God's ever, that God can do. Here's one more. There's also, believe it or not, when you pray with someone, there's a special anointing that happens. There's a special presence and awareness of God that takes place. Now, again, I'm not trying to get mystical on you, but it's straight from what Jesus says. Look at it. Matthew 18. Jesus said again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Read it out loud with me. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Read that again. Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That's one of the reasons why this idea of the war room is so important. Because what we know is we can all pray for the service, and I think probably many of you do. But when, when, when people come together and they seek God together, there is power that's released. I don't really understand it, but what I know is it happens. Now, some of us pray for our spouse. Some of us pray for our kids. Here's a thought. But what if we prayed with our spouse out loud? What if we prayed with our kids? 
What if we prayed with our grandkids? What, what if we prayed with our friends? R- rather than me just saying, Jared, I'll pray for you, what if I actually took time and prayed for you? What if Jared came to me and he said, man, I've got a, I've got a huge test at school this week and you know, would, you, would you pray for me? And I can say, yeah, and Jared would probably be comforted somewhat if I said, yeah, but what if I pulled Jared aside? And I just said, Lord, you know how dumb Jared is. No, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I had too much coffee this morning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, this is my buddy Jared that I love. And I know he's trying to do well in school and he's putting in the work. God, would you help him to relax? Would you bring back to his mind all he studies? Would you help him do his very best? In Jesus' name, amen. Do you understand the power that happens in a 30 to 45 second prayer with someone else? It's huge. I read a, a testimonial by a guy. This was so cool. This is a challenge to those of us who are married. <clears throat> a guy named Tom Hoops, when he and his wife April got married, they, uh, they were from the Catholic tradition. And he said that in the homily that his priest did, he said his priest challenged them in their marriage to pray out loud with each other every day. And Tom said, you know, we were young and in love and we wanted to do what the priest said. And so we, we did. We, you know, we prayed each day and he said it was wonderful. It was good. He said, but, you know, life happens. You know, you get busy. You know, your job takes off and you got more responsibility. He said, you got, you know, you got stuff going on. And then kids come along and suck up all your time. And, you know, and he said, he did. And he said, pretty soon my wife and I, you know, stop praying together every night, and then it was, you know, once a week, and then he said, then we just kind of got away from it all together, and he said, and it was really interesting, because almost at the same time that the prayer went away, guess what? He said, the closeness went away, and I said, I, I, I realized, he said, we were, we were getting a little more short with each other. We weren't as nice to each other, and he said, it was just a strange thing that began to happen. This was so interesting. Let me read his words to you. He said, over the years, He said, I've learned that the actual joys of marriage are different and better than what I expected. He goes, and that also the difficulties of marriage were exactly what I expected and far worse. (laughs) And he makes this statement. This is so good. He says, the clash of two people's selfishness in marriage is cataclysmic. That hit me like a ton of bricks. The clash of two people's selfishness. When we're all we're concerned about is ourselves. It's cataclysmic. And the hurt you cause each other sometimes can be enormous. He said women often deal with this by raising their ire and repeating their demands. He said men often deal with it by shutting their spouse out and shutting themselves down and turning to video games and drink and time at the office or television. And he goes, and both responses make everything worse. He says, the pain grows monstrous while the spouse's qualities shrink to nothing before each other's eyes. He said, soon these two souls are unrecognizable to each other. Horrid caricatures where human beings once existed until something intervenes like praying together out loud. 
He said, my wife and I, when we realized what was going on, he said, we started again. We started doing the evening liturgy of the hours together and each of us adding our own petitions and prayers as we did that. He goes, each night I would hear April talking to God about the family in me with appreciation and admiration. He said, she, she heard me talking to God about the children and her with understanding and attention. He said, and those caricatures we had developed began to fade and we became real people again. He said, there really is a God and he really is the bond of your marriage and he really is close and ready to help. God changes everything. He infuses a couple with grace, making forgiveness bearable, growth possible, unity reachable. But only if you invite him in. My God, what would happen to the homes in our church, in our community, if husbands and wives and parents and kids and grandparents and grandchildren all started praying together again. Where two or three gather together, God is right there in their midst. Second thought I want to give you, pray with humility. Pray with humility. Now what's that mean? Well, It means a few things. When you're praying for someone, it it means you don't know what God is up to with them. You don't know what God is up to. You you see, sometimes in our relationship, particularly when we see people demonstrating behavior that may not be kind of behavior we like, they may be saying things or doing things that are upsetting to us and all that kind of, but, but what we don't know is what God may be doing with them. You see, sometimes I think we see people and think God is nowhere near when God may be a whole lot closer and working in them and on them in ways we don't really understand. A gal named Sandra Clifton, and she was a prayer partner at another church and is a prayer partner for the two services that they have. And she was telling this fantastic story that one morning she was getting ready to go to church and she had all of her stuff together and she said just before she left, she said, I just felt like God was whispering to me, take the living Bible with you. And she was like, I don't use the Living Bible. The Living Bible is a paraphrase. It's really easy to read um, for, for people who are new to the faith. But, it, you know, she's, she has, I've got my study Bible full of notes. She goes, I don't really need another Bible. But she just kind of felt that. And she goes, okay. And so she put it on her stack with her Bible and kind of took it to church. And she said she got, got to church. And she said, I was putting my stuff down in my seat. And she goes, and as I did it, she goes, oh, that's why God wouldn't bring it. I put, she goes, I put the Living Bible on the seat next to me. And I thought, that'll save my seat. So between services, I, nobody will sit there and I can come back and get my seat. She was, I, thought, I thought she had it all figured out. Well, then in walks her friend Judy. And she said, when Judy started walking toward me, she goes, I felt God nudge me. I want you to give the living Bible to her. Now, Judy was a friend of hers who had come to Christ a few months before. And uh, she was coming to church regularly, growing into faith, but her husband, Dan, was really resistant to the faith and she knew it had been kind of a point of contention. And uh, so she thought, well, I'll give it, I'll give it to her. And as Judy got closer, she goes, God was so clear. She said, I want you to give the living Bible to Judy. And I want you to tell her, give this to Dan and tell him it's from Jesus. <laughs> and Sandra's like, well, that's really weird. 
but okay. And she says, so Judy, you know, Judy gets up to her and she's so happy, she gives her a hug. She, Sandra says, she reaches over on the seat and she hands her the living Bible and she said, Judy, give this to Dan and tell him it's from Jesus. And she said, Judy's face went white. And she was, eyes got about this big. And she's standing there like, what did you just say? And she said, give this to Dan and tell him it's from Jesus. And she said, Judy started trembling. And she said, what, Judy, what's wrong? And she said, last night, Dan and I had this huge fight about church, of course. And she said, Dan has been so resistant, telling me it's all a bunch of nonsense. And he said, if you go to church tomorrow and someone hands you a Bible and says, that's for Dan, then I'll know there really is a Jesus. (laughs) Dan and Judy are now in full-time ministry. Here's what I want you to get. God is up to stuff. And he is up to stuff in some of the people's lives that you think are the furthest from him. You have no idea what God's up to. Amen? Who can know God's thoughts, the Lord's thoughts, Romans says. Who, who knows enough to give him advice? None of us. Secondly, praying with humility means you, you don't know all that they're going through. You don't know all that they're going through. Sometimes we're praying for people and we're telling God to make them do this and make them do that. And God, you got to change their attitude. But we don't know what they're going through. Throw that, pic- that picture up on the screen for me. I love this. I saw this last week. Don't judge. Everyone has challenges in their life that you know nothing about. You don't know anything about it. Thirdly, praying with humility means you know there's work to be done in you. You know there's work to be done in you. Philippians 2, 3. And whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourself. Come on, look at me. It's confession time. How many of you would be honest enough to admit you know there's still a lot of work to be done in you? Amen. And if that's true, then maybe that ought to temper the way that we pray for other people. Let me give you one last thought. Pray for God to give you his eyes and his heart for them. Pray for God to give you his eyes and his heart for them. Just a question. What would happen in your relationships with other people if God gave you the ability to see them as he sees them. What if God helped you understand that angry people are hurting people? What if God helped you understand that greedy people are needy people? What if God gave you eyes that could see and ears that could hear and a mind to understand that controlling people are just scared people. What if God helped you understand that people who are obnoxious and and tend to dominate and always want to be the the center of attention, what, what if God could help you understand that they are just lonely people? You see, these stories we tell ourselves about people get in the way of our relationships 
We need God to help us see what he sees, hear what he hears, so that we can love like he loves. I, I love when Jesus saw the crowds. Matthew 9, it says, and it says, what pity he felt for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Look at me. What would happen if you saw the people at work tomorrow that way? Instead of these people that you don't like to be around so much because of the way, what, what, if, you, what if you saw the fact that they, they just had nowhere to go, they didn't know where to go for help, they didn't know what they were doing, they were like sheep without a shepherd. What if you saw them differently? Our relationships change when we pray. <laughs> Not so much because God changes them, but because God changes us. Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to go ahead and take their place. In just a moment, Rachel's going to lead us in just a beautiful little song. It's called the Cares Chorus. And it's, the song, it's a song from 1 Peter 5. It says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares about you. And today as we close... In a moment after the song's done, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to meet you where you are and to put his hand upon you, give you wisdom, give you strength, help you through. Look at me. But there's power when someone prays with you. And for some of you, you may have some relationship situations that you'd like one of our prayer partners to pray with you about. They'd be happy to do that, but it may not be anything related to that. Maybe another care that you have. Could be a health issue you're dealing with. Could be a financial situation you're facing. Could be a, a situation at work that you're coming up against. And, and rather than just walking out of here, carrying that burden on your own shoulders, what if, what if you entrusted one of these just, just to pray with you? What would it hurt to invite God into your circumstance where two or three gather together in my name. I'm there, right there in their midst. Amen. So if you'd like someone to pray with you while we're singing this song, you feel free to come. We'll be happy to pray with you right where you are. Father, we come before you today and, and honestly, God, we, we have to ask your forgiveness because so often we wrestle with life out of our own strength and often don't invite you in to the places where we need you the most. And, and sometimes that's our relationships. And Father, your words are so clear today, James. He says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And Lord, I, I wonder how many relationships in our lives might be changed dramatically if instead of gossiping about them and worrying about them or fretting about them or stewing about them, what if we prayed for them? What if we prayed with them? The prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. So Father, I pray that in every aspect of our life, but maybe particularly today in our relationship, 
that you would teach us the power of prayer. God, I pray that you would make Chartel a house of prayer. I pray you would help us to raise up families where spouses are praying with each other. Parents and children are praying with each other. Grandparents and grandchildren are are praying with each other. Where we bathe everything that we do in prayer. Not so that we can have our will be done, but that we might align our hearts with yours and have your will be done. God, let your Holy Spirit fall upon us. Make us people of prayer. In your precious name we pray. Everyone said. Amen.